Oops, take care of that mouse over there. I'm busy recording the... Oh, wait, I almost said the gaming table. No, the pond theater... Wait, I... So earlier this week, I reviewed an old Tom and Jerry video game, and now we're talking about the new Tom and Jerry movie that's on HBO Max and in theaters and IMAX. So you have multiple options. It's an IMAX? Yeah, an IMAX. You can see... Oh. Yeah, you can you, Yeah, you can catch the movie on HBO Max and IMAX and theaters everywhere. So, uh, if you want to get Corona to go to uh, for Tom and Jerry, then that is a good option, I guess. The other movie, there was going to be two movies, but what I found out at the last minute, Cherry doesn't release until March 12th. Which is odd because Wikipedia told me it was releasing this weekend, but I guess Wikipedia lied to me. It's uh, in theaters this weekend, but oh, it goes okay. to right. Apple TV March 12th. Okay. Well, I heard it's not even been getting great reviews, so I don't know if I need a... <laughs> no, what I've heard is not good. They are... I read one where they gave it a bad review, but they were at least praising the Russos for trying to do something different than what they've been known for. I've listened to some people who got screeners for it. They talked about the film. They, they they said the film wasn't that good, but they weren't as harsh as the, the Total Rotten Tomatoes. I, I, I think, I mean, because people are going to look at this film go see, see, Avengers really wasn't a great story. That You know, a certain group of people I will not mention, uh, although I've been dogging so much, uh, they'll probably use that and go, see, if this now this was David Ayer or Zack Snyder, then the movie would have been brilliant. <laughs> Someone's going to be petty about it. And- I mean, eh, people are capable of making good movies. People are capable of making bad movies. No one sets out to make a bad movie. No. And there's lots of people that have made terrible films that have also made brilliant films. It happens. Yeah. And besides, David Ayer has tried to make uh, uh, what? What's his name? The guy who screams a lot in Transformers. Oh, uh, why am I forgetting the actor's name? Is it Shia LaBeouf? Yeah, or Shia it... LaBeouf. They okay. tried to. Yeah, David Ayer is the the guy who directed Suicide Squad and and uh, was very fussy about reviewers because uh, he made he made tweets saying, uh, "Oh." Look at these people who think they know how to make a movie. Ugh, they're so dumb. Why do critics even exist? So he went on a long rant about the critical reception behind Suicide Squad and uh, uh, that medieval uh, gangster film uh, with Will Smith. Oh, right? the yeah, right. futuristic fantasy. Yeah, right. Cop. It's basically training day with. D D characters yeah but it, sucked. Yeah. it also sucked uh, but anyway it's funny he's attacking the critics on the critical of a um, suicide squad when most people know that that movie was heavily taken away from him and was micromanaged by the studio so most of the negative reviews didn't even like affect him well 
I mean, he was saying that just about, like, for example, his direction on Joker, uh, the Jared Little Joker, and some other things. Also, the other one being, it wasn't just on Suicide Squad, it was also on Bright. And, and the funny thing is, like, right after that, he makes a movie where he tries to make Shia LaBeouf a Mexican, uh, which, yeah, that movie I haven't seen, but I heard was horrible that he directed uh it's another like gangster film but they they had Shia LaBeouf come out with a uh, Latino accent uh, or trying to sound Hispanic oh, yeah, uh, and I'm like dude you have no you trying to act like a, an auteur uh you are in no room to talk the way you write your characters today and that same goes for Zack Snyder, who also has that same attitude. Uh, but oh yeah, well, he said he would never watch the other version of Justice League ever. No, well, he also attacked people who criticized his movie uh, too. He like he called them all effing idiots for saying that Batman shouldn't kill or or something like that, and. Uh-huh. Okay, I thought people were entitled to their opinions. I mean, there's people that don't love every Steven Spielberg movie. I don't think Steven Spielberg gets uh, not if it's DC. No, if you if you say anything <laughs> bad about DC, then no, that that's not entitled opinion. You are just negative. You are toxic. You are just you don't get it. You you just don't okay. get it. Yeah. Well, so I like, I, I like Shazam. No, that's that doesn't matter. Like I've actually followed some hardcore DC fans on Twitter, and they put up their uh, letterbox on uh, top movies. And of course, Batman v Superman is number one. Uh, that or Man of Steel. Man of Steel or Batman v Superman. Those are the best DC movies uh, to the, the the DC fan. And Shazam would be right behind. Wonder Woman, Joker, and Aquaman. Okay, I would put, personally, I'd put Shazam right after Wonder Woman, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, hey, people have have opinions, but I'm like, okay, so Batman v Superman, Man of Steel, and and, uh, Aquaman, they're better than uh, Shazam and Joker and, okay, okay, all right. Birds of Prey. Yeah, um... But uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna look forward to dealing with them next month because of uh, the Justice League. Movie. I'm gonna. I, Are you gonna watch it? Yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna <laughs> That's four hours of your life. Yeah, four hours of my life. You're not getting it back. <laughs> That's why I'm gonna multitask because I I know that move. Well, I'm I'm gonna be with an open open mind, but no, I'm not gonna stare at Zack Snyder's genius for four hours no unless the movie is that engaging if the movie is that engaging then i'll be like okay i want to see more but no if it, if it drags on like some of his other films then i'm gonna be like yeah i'm gonna check out for a little bit i don't foresee it being good but no. even if it's bad i think it'll probably be more interesting than the theatrical version was just let, because let me tell, let me tell you this one of their promotional images just recently 
is the the new so there's a new jared little joker if you saw the trailer we live in a society <laughs> that they stole from a meme <laughs> yeah zach snyder he's a he's a brilliant writer i mean you you could tell that has such a deep line and all the dc fans i've been following they all thought it was so deep that's a meme from 2018 to, to make a joke out of something else that he Zack Snyder put in this out of a petition for uh, Walking Phoenix to say. Uh, instead, you got Jared Leto saying that. But speaking of which, there's a new promotional image of him posing as Jesus. What? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I'm going to be honest. You, you, whatever you can say about the, the you know, the the Justice League, which is still 90% Zack Snyder. People say that Joss Whedon made all... If you even remember the footage, the trailers from the original uh, Justice League movie before, you know, everything happened and we had uh, Joss Whedon come in and finish that, most of what was in the, the movie at the end, that was stuff that was shot by Zack Snyder, but everybody think, thought... wasn't it just the jokes and the opening and then like that little closer scene between superman and the flash that to me feels like some whedon-esque stuff thrown in yeah all right well actually no the jokes were there before josh whedon like the the jokes about uh uh the flash like all the all the jokes that the flash win uh crack like that was all there before josh Whedon came in and finished the film like the the part where he met uh uh, uh Batman yeah at, at his own uh, lair like that was if that was one of the first trailers and people just forgot about that they thought Josh Sweden wrote that I'm like no I, I I think they they guesstimated it's like seventy five percent Snyder or maybe even higher maybe like eighty something and like. Basically, Whedon and Warner Brothers just cut things out instead of really changing things. Yeah, but just keep in mind, the original Justice League movie is almost two hours. This is four hours long. So to say it will be more interesting, well, we hope. But I, Well, yeah. it'll be completely Zack Snyder's vision. Yes. So you can good, make bad, it, or terrible. Yeah, it'll be all Zack Snyder. So, yeah. yeah. Speaking of, before we even get into the movies now, because there's not a third movie, I'm gonna put my. I'm gonna finally talk about My Hero Academia because I've been wanting to. So I'm gonna put that at the end. There was one one more thing I do want to add. So speaking of comic book movies, that's was an ad or not an ad a uh, promotional image for that film or recently stuff regarding that now on the marvel side there was a lot of news that popped up this week uh the spider-man getting its own uh no way home yeah no way home and then uh, rumors or not rumors just uh, marvel obtaining all the netflix marvel characters back i mean there's confirmation you're gonna see uh, charlie cox as matt murdoch in spider-man 3 somewhere and now 
even Luke Cage and the Punisher and uh, Jessica Jones, they're all under the MCU. Whether or not they're going to be casted as the same person as have been confirmed. I think John, no, John, uh, John Bertha, I think it was rumored he, he's going to be back as the Punisher. I think they're thinking about bringing him back. Uh, regarding Mike Coulter as Luke Cage and whoever was uh, Jessica Jones, I have no idea. Uh, what is her name? Yeah, I haven't really seen that actress in a lot of things, or maybe I don't. Um, whatever the case was, there was a lot of talk of what what will they do with these characters? And there was some... Uh, Kristen Ritter, that's her name. I don't, I don't know why I couldn't think of it. Yeah. There's been discussion of whether or not there's gonna there's gonna be like new Disney Plus original shows based off of these Marvel characters, or are they gonna be in the MCU movies? Uh, the other things that we got, so release date on Loki. Loki's coming out in June, so it's gonna. I mean, they're kind of uh, lining these shows up together uh, with uh, or Captain or Captain Falcon and the Winter Soldier is gonna be the next one. And since they release episodes uh, once a week, they're spreading out to where when Captain America or no Captain Falcon and the Winter Soldier ends, then we're gonna get near to Loki. Then after that, that's I mean, there's probably some other things. They have that Marvel's What If. Yeah, that's supposed to come out this year. Yeah, yeah. so that might be after Loki or, or what have you. I mean, they also have uh, miss marvel and and she hulk and uh, moon knight uh they actually just released a trailer for the uh adult marvel shows they'll be on hulu they got one for uh modok yeah it's gonna be animated right voiced by uh pat oswald yeah so i'm interested to see what they do with that but the one that's gone controversy is or them uh, coming out to say that Blade will be rated PG-13. Mm-hmm. And then there was uh, Kevin Feige coming out to say that they don't have plans for any more R-rated Marvel films outside of Deadpool. Right, because they did confirm that they were going to do a Deadpool 3 and it, it would be rated R. Yeah. Now, my whole take on that, because I know... It's just really easy to say, oh, Marvel, you, you screwed up. You're not going to do it right. Marvel has proven time and time again that they can find some way to make something work. And if they don't, then I'll, I mean, I'll definitely come out. If Blade sucks uh, and it's PD-13 uh, rating or it's it's not true to the character, then okay, I, I will definitely agree to that. I mean, he is a vampire after all. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not upset. I know the Wesley Snipes films were rated R, and that was mostly due to graphic violence. But you can tone down the gore and the level of violence and still do an entertaining vampire action film in the PG-13 realm. So I'm going to wait and see what they produce before getting up in arms. And they got a great lead actor for the part. Yeah, I mean, an amazing actor, actually. The the thing is, a lot of people forgot that most of these characters, even though they're popularized as radar, they've been actually 
even PG for the longest time. Blade had a big part in the Spider-Man cartoon, and there he wasn't chopping people up and being super gory. And I think they can walk that fine line if they're done right. I mean, I'm, I'm again, like you, I want to see what they do. I'm not quick to judge. Plus, I'm going to be honest. I thought Deadpool 2 was not a very good movie, partially due to its obsessiveness over the R rating. Like, it, it just it doubling down on being radar just for the sake of it. And I felt like, okay, okay. There, there's a point where you can abuse a rating and it will harm the storytelling or, or at least the, the, the level of the jokes or the level of the comedy because that, that's what Deadpool is, is. There are plenty of people who love, still love Deadpool 2 as well as Deadpool 1. I was one of those people who did not. And I looked at that and, and even seeing bits of the PD-13 cut they made, I was like, you know what? This character isn't required to be radar, but they are gonna still do it. And I'm like, okay, if you if you got something funny or something clever with part three, and it's not just gonna be uh, just f bombs left and right and, and gore all the time, then that's awesome. And that that's all I have to say about Blade. I mean, I love I really enjoyed the first Blade movie, but looking back at those films. The first one is highly entertaining, but the sequels. They... Now, I, I enjoy the Guillermo del Toro one, Blade okay. 2. That's fun. But yeah, the third one is a little. <laughs> not so great. So, but, but even then, like, compared to the MCU movies now, I'm, I actually don't think they're as good. Because Blade, while Blade is Blade is great, uh, the, the first one, there are still some cheesy things about it and things that don't hold up. Like, I mean, there was this whole argument with when Black Panther came out and said, oh, you think Black Panther is the first? But, but Blade, Blade was the first uh, Black uh, main character. And then someone made an argument that I thought was really interesting that, yeah, Blade is the first comic book adaptation protagonist but it's not seen on a large scale also blade was still a character that uh, uh he wasn't a character who was doing like his he wasn't uh taking command like he had to be bossed around or be ordered around by people who are not black and the movie's not about race either i mean we do have two african-american leads in the movie yeah. But Black Panther is repre- is more representation. I mean, we can't knock Blade not only for having a superhero of color as the lead in the late 90s, but also it kind of is what kickstarts where we are now with comic book movies. Yeah, like, no, I, I, that, should, that should never be ignored. And I, I was super excited to see Blade uh, coming back and with... Uh, Muhammad Ali as the uh, as the new Blade. It's just that, yeah. You look back at the film. There are things that could be improved on today. Like I, I don't think Blade is a flawless film, especially not the sequels. So 
I'm not wanting the new Blade to be exactly like the old. I'm not even wanting it in general. When you make a new movie, make a new movie. The worst you could do is just try to recapture the same thing. So I'm well, wondering how you... They did hire a female director of color also to direct the film. So this could be an interesting take on it as well. As um, Yeah. All the previous Blade films were directed by men, and only one of those men were not a white man, and that was Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, so I think there is room to make this new Blade better despite being PD-13. I mean, Disney's got a whole MC. They have a whole MCU that is just centered around being PD-13. Honestly, you can make some dark and, and some deep imagery being PD-13, and Marvel has already done that before, and especially Black Panther. There were some definite dark scenes in that film. I mean, Black Panther, you could argue some of the stuff they explore in the Iron Man films, yeah. um, Winter Soldier. I mean, they've been able to tackle these PG-13 ratings and not feel dumbed down. But, you know, they also want that mass audience and you're not going to get a mass audience with an R-rated film and you're not going to get as many kids to see the film. Yeah, and they want to make Blade be a part of this universe. So the question is how will it or how will it even stand its own? We'll just have to find out. But again, I I really don't want to fuss about a rating because honestly, a a rating does not, to me, does not... uh, amplify how good or how bad it will be it depends on what you do with it exactly if it's needed for the story that you're telling it's fine but making a movie r-rated doesn't automatically make it a better movie no and as long as feige is in charge i know he has a plan so i'm not I'm going to wait and see what they do because I'm pretty sure they already know what they want to do with this character and where they want to go with it. So, and like I said, you can, you can tone down the level of gore and still do a good vampire action movie. It doesn't have to be rated R just because the Wesley Snipes films were. And we also lived in a day and age back then where there wasn't, a shared universe of characters properties were owned by different studios and a lot of people didn't know blade was a comic book in 1998 and so you could get away with doing an r-rated vampire movie because that's probably what a lot of people thought it was they probably didn't even know it was a comic book movie yeah now one more thing i wanted to get to before because this this was the other huge movie related news or i guess somewhat movie related but back in the super bowl they announced paramount plus and i had talked about that in addition to the movies that are coming out next week and the final recap for uh uh uh, wandavision because there's only two more episodes left uh, spongebob the third spongebob movie is coming out that week too and i said i'm gonna go on my way to see it or at least try to i mean depending on how it work things regardless comes out that week and now we get full details on this Par- paramount plus to discover that holy crap they are real they're really going in on this So the whole deal with this is that they got all these Nickelodeon properties 
and they've announced so many things and the, and some they already have a uh, production they even said uh we're releasing this on day one and i looked at a lot of their reveals and i'm like wow could this really be a good competitor i mean nickelodeon they do have a lot of recognizable properties and they have properties that on other streaming services were number one for the longest time one of them being avatar when the whole avatar the last airbender series dropped on netflix people watched the heck out of that so do come out and say we have a whole avatar universe uh plan with starting with a new animated movie and then coming tv shows set around the world of avatar and legend of korra run by its own creators which that is one another great thing yeah because they left the live action version that netflix has been trying to develop and will that netflix will that netflix version even happen now that's one thing i'm question yeah the other thing I saw, which disturbed the heck out of me, because someone made a really interesting reference. They said, this is like Binding of Isaac, but just... Uh... So Binding of Isaac, it's this uh, old indie game where it's supposed to be a disturbing version of classic Legend of Zelda. You play as uh, this uh, this child that, is set, that his own mother is trying to kill him. So he's locked in this basement filled with uh, really messed up creatures and he's trying to find his way out and all that. So they so they showed a sneak peek of the new Rugrats show. Which, oh, yeah. which is I've CG. seen images of this. And I looked at that and I was like, okay, why why Rugrats as a CG animated show? But looking like Binding of Isaac. Because, yeah, you look at the trailer for Binding of Isaac, or the CG trailer for that, you look at this and, like, wow, it's got the same art style. It's kind of creepy. Yeah, it was very disturbing what I saw. What I saw the other day, and I'm like, oh, they're really trying to get people to subscribe to this. I read that Mission Impossible 7 and A Quiet Place 2 will be available on the service 45 days after they're released. Yeah. And they also announced a lot of exclusive Star Trek and Dora the Explorer and, and a live-action, barely odd parents show. Oh, wow. A live-action version? <laughs> okay. Like, wow. What? Oh, isn't there um, a prequel series to that kevin costner show that they had on their channel on the paramount channel yellowstone i yeah i I guess something like that and this is basically is like whatever's on cbs all access is getting merged onto this right yeah yeah that's that is what uh uh or that 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 is what we uh discovered from it is that it is a a revamp of cbs all access so if you own cbs all access then uh you know uh you i think i think as far as even the pricing of this it will be the same exact thing uh well when i looked at it i saw that they're doing annual 
prices right now. I didn't see any monthly prices. Yeah, so the monthly subscription is $10. Okay. Yeah. Which is normal. Well, so there's actually, there's two versions. There's $5 a month. And the five commercials. Yeah, the $5 a month is going to be with the commercials. Without the commercials, it's $10 a month. I mean, I hate it that everything is dividing itself into different streaming services. I don't know if I can afford all this. Yep, it's 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 becoming cable. It's becoming cable. You know, everybody right at the beginning of Netflix's domination, you know, eight, ten years ago, people were cutting the cord. I'm just gonna go to Netflix. And then Amazon's like, Okay, we have a streaming service and you get two free day shipping. And then Hulu. So we had we had the three big for a pretty good while. And then all these movie studios are like, hmm, maybe I should have we should have our own streaming service instead of renting it out through Amazon or Netflix. And yeah, it's cutting to the point where you're like, which ones do I want? Which ones am I gonna watch? Because yeah, you, you can't afford. And then there's all these other small sections of um, streaming services too so yeah it's getting ridiculous i mean if there's one thing good to say is that paramount plus is one of the cheaper streaming services i mean it's not 15 dollars a month like uh, hbo max or 12 like uh, amazon so you if you want i mean the commercials i had a free subscription to CBS All Access. The commercials, they weren't like bothersome. So, I mean, you could just be fine with the $5 a month. But, uh, I mean, yeah, that depends on how you want to toll that. Uh, up I suspect it'll be like Hulu, too, that like when you actually watch a movie on it, there'll probably only be ads like right before the movie starts because yeah, it's just the TV shows that they'll break up with ads. But yeah, like right at the start. So I, I, I might, might get it because uh, I think it will be interesting to see if this is going to work against everything else. What's interesting is I wonder if they'll merge with Apple because I know you can merge your Apple and CBS together with Showtime. So I guess does Viacom have some yeah. kind of ownership with Apple? Yeah, and this will actually be the new... So this is what CBS All Access turns into. So, I mean, CBS All Access will become Paramount+. Plus. So if you already have CBS All Access, I would figure you can jump right straight into uh, Paramount+, Plus for free. And I think that was cool. So, I mean, as much as I'm against that, and plus that Rugrats show just creeps the heck out of me and i'm gonna watch it i'm gonna watch it out of curiosity because i grew up with the rugrats whatever they're gonna do with that that's uh, and then the quiet place 2 and mission possible 7 being and i bet you because uh fast and furious is owned by paramount as well is it i thought it was universal that had uh no you're right yeah universal okay well yeah they're not gonna put fast nine on peacock well hey you never know you never know they might try to get people to subscribe to peacock yeah 
Well, hey, I mean, Fast and Furious, they sell a lot of money. Or, I mean, they sure they do. Well, now let's get into our programs that we got that isn't costing any subscription service. Well, okay, save to watching the movies today. Starting with what is the biggest film of the week? Tom and Jerry. That that Tom and that Jerry, they've been fighting each other for years. They never got along. Well, okay, they got along. Decades. They got along for one movie, and that was the one film where they talked. Uh, Is that the 90s animated film? Yeah, I've never seen that. I've only heard infamous things about it. I've seen it, and it is corny as heck. Uh, Yeah, the voice acting is bad, Uh, and the musical numbers, they are annoying. But it is worth a laugh because, I mean, it's so weird that you're like, why? Like, just based on Tom and Jerry talking after the first five or ten minutes where it's actually a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Which is an interesting question. These Tom and Jerry shows, they've always been, like, 15 minutes long, 10 minutes long. And they're just simple, straightforward Tom versus Jerry scenarios. So how do you make that work into a movie? For the longest time, they did not. Whether it be uh, the film where those two talked or the many direct-to-video DVD tie-ins that were uh, basically keeping this franchise going for years. Like, you probably don't even remember. They teamed up with The Wizard of Oz, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That was the most recent one. I think they even did one with... uh, uh, wacky racers and wwe i saw the ch- the ch- charlie and the chocolate factory one it was one of the cheapest pieces of animation ever like it, it's almost on the level of asylum because they wow. yeah they skip frames and, and and there's several moments in that movie where the characters just make this really creepy face and the camera just stills on them for the longest time but it was highly entertaining for the wrong reasons and yet it was a film where all what they did is just retrace the scenes and lines from the original movie just tom and jerry is in the corner uh doing a physical gag every now and then like it was so unfitting it was weird so now you got an original story with tom and jerry in where Tom wants to be with uh, John Legend. He wants he wants to play the piano, be a special musical guest. And Jerry screws all that up by doing what Jerry does and being the snot of him. And they get into a little fight. Uh, his gig is ruined. And Jerry hides in a, an expensive hotel where the most royal wedding is supposed to take place complete with elephants (laughs) by the way every animal character in this is a cartoon and they don't even explain why well they do make one joke about the dog where the guy's like sorry he's very animated or something (laughs) yeah but still it's like okay why are 
cartoon animals living with real people. Where are the real animals? Is that just the the the, the state of this world where just it's a universe where real animals do not exist, so you just have cartoon animals who can get through it's all... It's an alternate Earth where all the animals are just animated characters. Yeah, like the pigeons, the other um, mice, there's even a spider uh, you could see. I mean, it, a brief, brief uh, cameo, animated cameo of a spider. But Don't forget uh, the droopy cameo. Oh wow! I did not see the droopy cameo. He was in the he was in the pound. Holy crud! See, look at you in your Easter eggs. You're a true <laughs> Tom and Jerry aficionado. I'll tell you one Easter egg I did see, but I'll get to that. Now, when I saw the trailer for this film, I was like, you know what? Looks like it could be a really bad movie just based on the choice of music in the trailer. Uh, the lines being said by the human characters because that's another thing is if you want to carry out a whole hour and a half or hour and 41 minutes with two cartoon characters all they do is beat the snot each other well what's the dialogue that's going to keep things going for that long and that's where you have uh, I think Chloe Grace yeah she plays as uh or i think she was doing a delivery service and tom and jerry screw that up in the middle of fighting each other they knock into her stuff and uh calls up her manager and the manager's like you're supposed to deliver this five minutes ago you're fired or no she's like you want i quit and so she gets into the expensive hotel uh and that jerry hides in and steals her resume like it just a woman's like yeah i was supposed to give this resume something oh i'll take it yeah no I'm yeah totally she good. acts like she's part of the hotel staff and saying oh your interview's already started <laughs> and she's like oh oh it has oh, okay like like no i don't think any employer would be like that they'd be like Wait. Okay. Something's going. On. All right. Who do you like? Who do you speak for? Can I? Can I talk to someone? But no, that, that's not the writing we got here. And so she gets just on the spot. She and by her convincing the manager and the boss, uh, not just with the interview, but also saying, "No, I'm a professional here, and I will make sure they have the best wedding yet." Oh, but there's also another problem, and that's the mouse. They discover Jerry, because Jerry freaks out some of the uh, uh, chefs in the restaurant. So now, I mean... Yeah, we got Dr. Ken freaking out. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's playing as the... Almost like a parody of that one angry... I forgot what... It, what uh, Hell's Gordon Ramsay, maybe? Yeah, Gordon Ramsay. He's, he's kind of acting like Gordon, Gordon Ramsay. Because he's criticizing everybody's, uh, uh, like, the way they cook. I, I like that actor. I mean, you know, there's sometimes he tries to act like a black guy. But in other films, I find him a highly entertaining actor. I mean, it depends, like, how he goes about his roles. You know, and that's the same with Aquafina. Like, Aquafina has this thing where in some movies she tries to act black and then in movies where she's given uh, leeway to be other 
characters or other performances, that's when she can really shine. So, I mean, I thought she was, he was fine. He didn't even have much of a role anyway. Like, whatever, it's celebrity casting. Michael Pena as the semi-manager and the boss. Uh, what's the guy's name? Oh, the guy who's the general manager that yeah. hires her. I yeah. don't remember his name. He's in Deadpool too, though. Yeah, because he looked for... Yeah, he was... Uh, I think it was Kevin. No, no, whatever his name is, the guy who had no powers. Yeah, he was Gary? Kevin. I was like, "What? What is Kevin, Kevin doing okay. in a hotel? Maybe, <laughs> maybe Deadpool shows up in a uh, extended cut of the film, and then he goes <laughs> off with Jerry." <sighs> Although, I'll I'll get right to the good things because I'll be honest, there are things I really did like about this film, and that is the animation. In the interviews, they mentioned that they were inspired by Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I was impressed by, I mean, really, I miss having hand-drawn, even if not hand-drawn anime, at least characters who will move around like they're hand-drawn. And they had a nice style where these characters, they felt like they were drawn together. But there's still that 3D cell shade, but in a way where it doesn't look cheap. It still looks like a, a they brought the they brought the character right out of the cartoon. And they paid attention to keeping Tom and Jerry like their respected characters, even the point of su- such subtle things like Tom having his uh, angel and demon talk to each other or, or uh, talk to him. And, you know, the demons, the devil side is always the one that gets ahead of uh, the angel. And some other characters, too, like Spike, even though Mm -hmm. he probably isn't voiced by, I mean, the old Spike. But whoever voices Spike in uh, this movie, he does an amazing job at just trying to capture the old Spike character right down to even the tone. Uh, you know, I do, uh, man, I can't even, I can't even get it right for some reason, but you know, he, he, he talks like an old Brooklyn, like a guy you pass by in Brooklyn. It was like, I say, this makes me look mad or, or God, I, I can't even get it down, but you know, if you've seen Tom and Jerry, you've seen Spike and you've seen him talk. I mean, he gets that character down. And even some other familiar Tom and Jerry characters as well. Like, uh, man, who is the the black cat that's... that's oh, like the gangster cat? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I didn't remember, but it's been like forever since I ever watched a Tom and Jerry cartoon. I was kind of like, why is this character here? But if it's from the it, show... It, it is. like That makes more sense. There, there were some episodes where Tom would go up against the black cat, and that black cat would be this gangster. It would be like, it would try to show up Tom. No, Tom, this is how you take care of a mouse or something like that. I mean, yeah, he wasn't a frequent character, but he was still one they would use a lot at least in the the 60s and 70s or, or 50s or, or whatnot but uh yeah he is a character from the, the show that they brought in uh, to kind of be an extra motivation for tom to try to get off his butt and go somewhere because uh, like right after he lost his gig they're like oh tom look at you not getting anything and they're about to beat the snot out of him the other familiar character, which 
back in the day was used to be Tom's love interest. And even eventually there would be a version for Jerry, but the white cat uh, with the uh, bow. I like that she posed as a threat for Jerry because Jerry is not afraid of Tom at all. Like when, when Chloe is like, Hey, I got a predator right here. Jerry's like, God, that stupid son of a gun. But with, with, uh, uh, I think her name is Daisy or Rosie or, but that white cat, that white cat actually uh, got to Jerry and just kept slamming him against the wall. He like panicked out of fear. I was like, wow, okay. Jerry's not the, not the smart Alec mouse when it comes to every cat out there. I actually enjoyed the scene where she's like purposely messing with the hotel furniture to get at Michael Pena. Cause they're like, we have a no pet policy. Yeah, no. No, no, I I get it. That was like, that was pretty funny. Regarding the like regarding the anime cartoons in the film, which is another thing is they use Tom and Jerry to the max. Like this isn't a film where Tom and Jerry appears for 10 minutes of the movie. No, they are in as much as the human characters and they got their own personal game. But yeah, when you go to the human characters, they are all stuck in the 90s. <laughs> Except they're making so many modern jokes and, and it just... They're trying to be so relevant. Yeah. Try to be so relevant and then just be so dated all at the same time. Yes. The best two, of course, is Tom and Jerry. But if you want to talk about the worst character in this, that is Michael Pena. He, I know, and we know he can be so good. He's such a talented, and he can be hilarious. But here, he's just a caricature, and he's over the top for no reason. And But that's probably because this whole plot is ridiculous to try and make a feature-length movie and throw these characters in a movie. Well, well, they brought him in. This is the thing is, I'm not crazy about Michael Pena. I think he can work, but most of the films I've seen him in, they have him in to basically be some level of a Hispanic stereotype or a Latino stereotype. Because a lot He's of his good jokes... in The Martian. About, yeah, about him pronouncing things with his accent, like Instabook and, and TikTok and all that. And just all the characters like going, no, that's not how you pronounce these things. And that's, that's his one stick that he's got going on besides not having faith in uh, chloe chloe just being a disney channel protagonist uh like just being super over the top and being super like goofy just to make the kids laugh as much as possible i mean the guy who plays kevin or in deadpool i mean he doesn't do anything and like annoying or he's like, just there. Yeah, he is just there. So I can't really say, man, he's bad at it. Just he, he's giving his lines. He's saying it. It's just that when you come from Kevin from Deadpool two, who for many people is the most memorable. For my my personal pin, he was the best thing about that movie. Like screw that movie, but Kevin, he was great. And here he doesn't really. He he's not so bad or so good. He's I mean yeah he. He serves his purpose. He writes his lines. He's not bad at it, but I'm like, man, as someone who is such a hilarious side character, I'm not getting much out of you here. Uh, and then there's this other, 
employee who her whole joke is just being creepy and being annoying obnoxious the other character i was fine with as far as human characters well you have a bartender i mean he was okay he i mean again there was there were certain characters in this they don't go out of their way to be uh terrible you tolerate them but they don't give them anything where you're like all right well at least that was great the best out of all these humans the ones where i'm like okay i feel like i might get something out of this and that is the the subject of the film the dates there were the uh the uh, mixed race couple that's about to get married. There was actually a couple lines in there I thought were pretty or were kind of funny about uh, or regarding the husband, and I like their back and forth together. But yeah, they're one part of how many human characters you have to deal with here, and the. <laughs> the the main the main ones you stick with they bring this movie down quite a bit and i was like man i I just want to see more tom and jerry but even then i like them they're doing a lot of slapstick humor you've seen in the original cartoon where it's like okay have they exhausted everything they like the joke about uh tom being zapped by lightning or getting slammed in the face with a uh, 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 a uh, ironer. Those are all things that are just taken from the original cartoons. I don't know if they're like, hey, remember that physical gag? I'm like, yeah, Tom and Jerry, I mean, Tom gets being the crud out of him in so many ways. I don't think that is, there's any relevance to the, the cleverness of that. But I'll say... On, on the good side of that, this movie does exemplify that for the longest time, we've rooted for Jerry as sort of the, the good guy out of the two. Jerry's a punk. Because, yeah, you see, like, he, he's stealing diamonds and he's trying to make everything, like, everything horrible for everyone. And I, like, no, I said sometimes I root for Tom, except for Tom is just so dumb. Like he gets easily fooled by Jerry for uh, anything he does. And that that's where like, okay, but this movie makes me understand the whole dynamic between those two. And the fact that they just love it. Like, you get the feeling that Tom loves getting beaten the snot of, out of Jerry. And Jerry, like, this whole cat and mouse chase, it's like, no, this is their way of loving each other. Like, this is this is the type of dynamic they've had. And I think there is something humorous about their, their whole friendship just being them being the snot out of each other and just being okay with it. And once all, all things done, they just go back. Like, they... They have this addiction of being the snot of each other. Even when Chloe says, you two be good and behave, they do not. And I do find that very fascinating about those two. Like, again, I'm drawn into that part. Just not everything with the humans, which is sadly a good portion of this film. But 
there are even times where they take these two and and uh, do the same commit to the same mistakes they do with these human characters and that's put all the slapstick on not the slapsticks but all the modern references and 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 uh dated things with these characters i mean there was a teaser of it where tom was doing the backpack kid dance and i looked at that i'm like okay why but i brushed that off i'm like all right that was nothing the last act of the film their way of saving the day when when all the destruction happens is to get to the main car on a skateboard which you've seen this in the trailer this is not a spoiler but yeah they do some uh uh 90s wi-fi capable skateboard a wi-fi capable skateboard but still they're doing like tricks they're 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 getting to the the subject of the the matter almost like it's tony hawk like they might as well do an alley alley like they were doing tricks while they were on their way to get to and not only that but besides feeling 90s ish with the, these little skateboard tricks it also feels like toy story the original one well yeah because the whole final action sequence in toy story involves a ro- remote control car and which this one it's a drone and uh with vehicles yeah yeah it's yeah basic- and the whole goal of it is to try to get people like to i mean there's no twist here there's so there's so much cliche under the definition of it because they, they saw they, they caused so much destruction and the characters just brush that off like they 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 like they destroy the the lobby floor of the hotel and Chloe just goes, yeah, that's Michael Pinion's Michael Pinion's uh, fault, and the manager is like, oh, oh yeah, it must be Michael Pinion. Okay, you're fired, and now you're the manager. And I'm like, so much of this, I don't, I feel like does not even feel authentic to how hotels operate. Not at all. This is a poorly conceived and contrived script, and just doing ridiculous things. I don't even know how they got some of these actors to be in this movie do like michael pinion has been in so many bad films i have no like like i i don't have any sort of like actor credit for mike for actor people like michael pinion or lil ray howie which by the way with some of the voice cast choices for the anime cartoon characters i was like why i mean i like spike but then you look at the other characters there's a lot of there's a lot of black voice actors, but portrayed in the black stereotype where they're like, oh my gosh, like they're, they're very sassy. They're very, you know, they're, they're, they're what racist people think of when they think of black people. And I, I'm not okay with that. That did make me feel uncomfortable because that's what I will say. While I do appreciate the appearance and what the reason for, I forgot the character's name, but you know, the gangster cat, his delivery with his lines, I was like, wow. And this is directed by a black man. 
Mm-hmm. Tim Story. At, yeah, Tim Story. And he's looking at all these, all the, the, the voice performance and how like they're exaggerated. Be like, oh, look how funny they sound. Because they're, yeah, I, I, was, I was uncomfortable about that. Like, I, I mean, I get there. I have quite a few black friends and they all have their own vocal range. I mean, again, people sound like people, but there, I mean, you would, if you get what I mean, there is, has been this long in, in Hollywood for the longest time, how black people sound like, and you just hear the performances of all, all the black voices in this. So like, yeah, this, this feels demeaning. But as a film, it's okay. I mean, I saw the the Ron Tomatoes and the Metacritic. I don't think it's as bad as the critic. Oh, I, I haven't seen the score. What's the score? On Metacritic, it's like a 33. Okay. You know, it, I think it is a below average film only because of, of how much well, what I said. But there are some very entertaining things with Tom and Jerry to where I'm like, okay, if a kid who does not think too much de- too deeply into the voice performances and you know they just want to see Tom and Jerry on the screen, all right, fine. Like really, there are worse Tom and Jerry movies. I would watch this over the '90s Tom and Jerry film, and even some of the other bad. I mean, some of the worst kids movies I've seen this year and even previous years. I would see this over Ella Bella Bingo, which I thought it had a much more racist portrayal of black people. But this is still not a good movie. Do you have anything? Because I've been talking a bunch. What do you have to say? Uh, I mean, I wasn't going to say much of anything positive about this movie, but I will say I agree with you that I did like... Maybe it was just nostalgia of wanting to see 2D hand-drawn characters, which there's probably some CGI here in it, but they at least look and operate like they're 2D, so that was nice. And, yeah, the Tom and Jerry gags are okay, but I really feel like they're probably characters that don't need a feature-length film, and I don't know why Warner Brothers is trying to create this Hanna-Barbera universe so to speak oh yeah yeah i know but yeah but i feel like these are characters that are perfectly designed for an episode that's about 20 minutes long like whatever the the classic tv show was like that's what they're for and what happens here is you create this ridiculous plot that's very contrived and you don't care what's going on. You're like, I just want to watch Tom and Jerry chase each other and whack each other over the head and do some cartoon annex. And yeah. And I feel bad for Michael Pena in this movie. I know he got paid, thankfully, but like he's a better actor than what he's doing here. And it's terrible. And how they got glowy grace. I don't know how to say her last name to do this. I don't know. Cause she's good in other things too. This is, it's just bad. It's it's not a terrible movie, but it's just it's just a waste of time. And they could have just created like a Tom and Jerry animated series instead of doing a movie. But I will agree also that yeah, whoever voices the dog, the he sounds very much like the dog of the classic show, and even how he's portrayed. So there are some decent things in this, but for me, it's a low decent. 
yeah, I, I would give it a regular decent just uh, because I, I was entertaining parts, but yeah, there were, there were parts of it. I was like, this is, this whole film is trapped in the nineties in the, the worst part of the nineties. Yeah. The jokes they're using, like what you said, the skateboard tricks, just it's execution is something that I would have saw as a kid. And like, it's almost 30 years later. Yeah. It's, this doesn't work anymore. And it didn't always work in the nineties either. Yeah. So that, that is what we have to say. Also my own Easter egg, I point out because I'm a gamer and that, that's just how I am. Uh, there was a scene where uh, the husband was in their luxury room and trying out all these simulations. So all of them were fake, except for when he turned to the space uh, planet. That was actually a uh, Metroidvania game called Journey to the Savage Planet, which you can get on the PlayStation 4 and Switch, and which is a fun game. It's kind of like Metroid Prime, and it's like, okay, I give some credit when you... I mean, I've seen this so much in movies where they just introduce a fake game like they put in some cg money just to pretend like people are actually playing a game and i give it credit they actually turn on a real game that's actually a pretty good game but doesn't doesn't really see much of the movie anyway well the the other one is billy holiday united states versus billy holiday that is another biopic about historical racism Deals with a uh, musician named Billie Holiday who is played here by, I get her name right. I will say that she is really, really good in this. She sounds exactly like Billie Holiday. She even kind of looks similar to her, and that may be why they cast her. But I, if, if anything, I will say that she is really good in this film. Yeah, and I think that is the media thing I could say is great about this is the lead actress and also the singing and the actress here is uh andrea day uh, or andrea day andrea day playing uh, billy holiday talks a little about her uh you know shows about her musical career but also the lawsuit going on because she uh i mean part of her songs is talking about uh, history that america is trying to erase because, I mean, that's a big thing today. America is, I even read something where someone is trying to get rid of Black History Month. I'm not even joking. And yet this whole Black History Month is, for the whole Black History Month, at least from my eyes, it's just seeing uh, Black men and Black women respond to racism online, which we've already been talking about. I'll say that's that's still going. So, I mean, it's not even like Black History Month has been celebrated too much. But um, so this movie already is dealing with some relevance. I think that is awesome. And it's like it's already going for some uh, Golden Globes or some uh, awards. And the awards being musical performance. I think even lead actress, which, hey, that is something we both said is great. And it's great. Like there are a couple moments where she is singing and I love those scenes. And the subjects they bring up, I love that they brought them up. Because yes, this is something we do need to think about that America's trying to paint itself like the best country in the world. And at the same time, 
trying to pretend like it's mistakes never happened or it's mistakes were as little as possible. And that's where you see so many people going like whenever there's horrific things that are happening and it's being publicized on the news, wait, this is not what our country is about. So there's some important relevance to this film. And like we said, we talked about, despite a lot of these films also being struggle movies in a way, there's a reason for them to exist. And there's some other great uh, talent here. Lakeith Stanfield and uh, uh, Trevenant Rhodes. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably the second best part of the movie. I would say that they probably could have developed his character a little bit more, but at least he's the other one that gets the most going on in the film. And I like his arc in the story. Yeah. You you know, you hit something that I was also, I mean, I mean, just a little ashamed to say, and that is this movie is so great at singing, but when it comes to the story, it feels like it's not fleshed out enough. I, I know that's exactly how I feel because I feel like there's an interesting movie here. And yeah, every time she's singing and the they incorporate Billie Holiday's music, it's great. I did not know that that's what that song was about. So I learned something and that's why these movies need to be made. I'm still getting learned about the atrocious things our country has done to people of color and that and I, okay i'm gonna i'm gonna spoil something but it's not really spoiled because this is based on a true story and yeah. this is stuff that's going on right now that th- our government has not passed that lynching is illegal that's 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 crazy yeah that was at the end of it i was like my and i mean i've heard stories that black people are still getting i mean it's not like i'm not already i wasn't already aware of this before the film but the fact that just in in bold letters at the at the end of it is like yeah this is still a debate whether or not it's okay for black people to be lynched why is that not it's 2021 it is 20 we are 20 years into the 21st century this shouldn't even be a debate no but that's just what race i mean this country building itself off of racism it's um you know well and people people don't want to bring it up they're ashamed of it they want to just sweep it under their rug like it never happened why it's It's still happening why it's still going on and people are struggling like you've been talking to individuals who have to deal with this on a daily basis in their lives yeah so i i want to even just root for this film but holy crud it just feels rushed like it's two hours long and i feel like part of that time should have been focused on strengthening the story but the fact that a portion of this is devoted to music is both of the movie's greatest achievement and also it's biggest uh downfall because that music is covering up time that could be focused on uh, stretching out more of this instead you're looking at a two-hour movie that's just got a lot of great ideas that aren't fully together yeah i feel like they had an idea because it centers around this song strange fruit right and the government telling her you can't sing this song you can't sing it because it's about you know 
people, black people, African Americans, people of color being lynched by white people and that it's not illegal and the government doesn't want her to sing it because they say it incites riots and gets people upset. But in truth, they just don't want to hear about it because they don't want to be reminded of the terrible things they allow to happen in their country. But then they also want it to be a bio picture about Billie Holiday and her music and her life. And, you know, when you do a bio movie on a musician, you want to cover their music. But I feel like the two don't intersect well and we don't get enough of either to really make a very compelling film we just get oh this is a good idea for a film but it doesn't quite come together and it's really this lead actress's performance that even makes it remotely watchable because of how good she is yeah i mean man i i just feel because i want to really love this film and but because of that i just i came in just wanting more and feeling like I'm just not getting enough. But I mean, it, it, the filmmaking and and the performances are great. I, I just wish the script was focused. That's really all I could say about it. It's a real shame, but I still, I would still be, I would still recommend out of a curiosity to watch it. Because while it is not focused, it's not bad far from being a bad movie and there are some great things about it that make it worth at least one curiosity watch despite being so long and that is why i would recommend it as something you put on tv to watch the incredible parts of that film and skip through a lot of the padding or at least just not be around while the film's trying to catch up with itself. And to keep a locked on note to, for that message at the end, that I think we all need to, uh, you know, be wary of. But yeah, for that, I just give it a high decent. Uh, I'm going to agree with you. A high decent. I think you have an outstanding lead performance here. Incredible singing. It's very educational. It's very thought-provoking. I think people should watch it just so they can learn. And that's how we become better people is by learning and growing. And honestly, it's not that hard to treat people like human beings. And that's what we should be doing. But like I said, I think the combination of trying to do a biofilm about her life, as well as focusing in on this one particular aspect of her work in life, doesn't quite come together and they should have focused on probably since it's called the United States versus Billy holiday, probably focusing on that aspect of the film and just kind of becomes a little underwhelming and doesn't quite come together. And that's disappointing because I think there's a really good movie here. Yeah. I see. Now one, one last thing before we end on this. So you want to know more about the actress who I think is great. And I, and one other positive thing is that it brought me to this actress that I have not even seen before, who is a songwriter. And I felt like, well, that, that worked on how well she uh, was able to or perform as, the, as uh, this historical figure, because she does write music. And uh, you can probably check her out on Spotify, uh, Andra Day 
or you know i've her music is probably out there so her debuted album cheers to the fall uh, released in 2015 and uh she is in her 30s she's 36 years old so i mean young and just uh and she's uh, done other songs too rise up oh, okay <laughs> wow yeah i didn't know that i had no idea who she was but i've heard that song wasn't that in was that in selma or was it that was in a movie somewhere i think yeah now if you want to know about her other acting performances it's uh cars three as sweet tea uh, wow okay yeah, yeah she provided the voice of sweet tea so you, i mean i you know i like cars three so i mean the other i'll thing, give it this it's yeah. better than cars two yeah no it's i think it's better than cars two and one uh but marshall is the other film and she was only a nightclub singer so she's not she's kind of new as far as the, in the films but i want to see her in more because i think she's got it and yes her latest movie was in the united states versus billy holiday so i hope she continues after this yeah she's up for best actress in a drama by the way yeah at the globes which is probably this film no it's for this film yeah, yeah. oh yeah and I, I i mean i i do think that's great for going globes to do that so yeah i'll uh, talk about demon slayer later which is another anime i'll recommend that i think is even better than this and which you can also see on hulu but uh for now yeah another thing to start off with that is all we have on the show today next week is uh oh uh ray and the lost dragon or in the last dragon now it's another premiere axis i just found this out you have to pay 30 dollars if you don't want to see in the theaters uh i'm gonna bite the bullet but i think that it's an interesting discussion to have regarding that the other options if you don't want to pay 30 dollars for Rhea, is uh oh coming to america too the sequel is coming out that week and i will also watch the spongebob uh, so you're gonna subscribe to paramount tv plus or i'm gonna get the tri- i mean there's gonna be a trial for it oh yeah i would assume yeah um are we gonna do that friday or saturday friday because i know okay. uh, i know justin wants to get back in he's like hey can you move to friday now these next two saturdays i'm just packed with uh interviews and with diverse creatives like next friday next saturday for example i'm interviewing the maku girls mako girls and they're a uh, a pop band a kind of like a j-pop except for it's a, a black uh pop and i think that's really interesting uh they're also another group of people who have been harassed online by trolls uh, so that was another thing i found from them but well Friday works better for me because yeah. we have to go on a massive road trip looking for a place for my stepdaughter because she's about to start graduate school in the fall and it's spring yeah. break. I mean, we're not going to spring break in. We're just, this is this is an important trip, but still, I don't know my availability Saturday because we'll probably be on the road. Yeah, I'll say probably either the second or third week if uh, justin is still uh, only available on saturday that's when i'll move it to saturday but uh yeah ne- next week will be friday okay so yeah uh pond spreads different podcast hosting platforms and yeah 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 uh, i mean you know all the stuff the, the facebooks and the, the instagrams and all the goodies 
and film nerd 85 but you're going on a road trip so i bet the real rejects that's taking a break uh yeah probably we are going to uh we got a we got a pretty big guest for our princess mononoke episode oh, yeah. that we're recording oh yeah then, that's gonna be awesome yeah we have uh yeah i'm excited our, our guest we had to find a new guest and someone who's a podcaster said they'd do it so i was thrilled that they're willing to do it and so we should be finishing that up soon so then the episodes will be dropping soon i hope and then we will be prepping our james cameron series probably sometime next month yeah Uh, so until then take care bye